Hi friends, welcome to The Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher and life coach. It is my goal in life to reframe the way that we understand trauma. And I think if we want to understand trauma, we need more stories, more examples, an archive of trauma stories. But not just an archive where someone lays their story down for posterity and walks away, an archive that gives them something back, some attunement, some empathy, a reframe, integration, maybe some little piece of knowledge or understanding so that they walk away feeling like the thing that makes the least sense in their lives makes just a little more sense. This podcast is that archive. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. Each week, we read your letters and give you information and advice about how to understand and demystify your experiences and symptoms so that you can heal without shame. So pull up a chair, grab a coffee, and join us. Okay, welcome back to the Trauma Tapes. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's the weather like there? Is it hot as hell? I was just thinking that actually. You read my mind. No, it's rainy. It's stupid. Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) How's the weather? Stupid. (laughs) Stupid. July was like one of the rainiest on record. Oh, my God. Um, We went out of town and we came back on like the 12th or the 13th. And the news was saying at that point, this is the rainiest July on record. I'm like, it's the 12th. Like, how could you you be saying that? But seriously, um, yeah. Tons of rain. So August start has started out a little bit better, but today is is rainy. But remember, two thousand what was that? Two thousand eight. Yeah, June. It was the whole summer. It was June and July, right? Was that when you were in Watertown? Yeah. Yeah. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was Watertown. It rained for two and two months. It was like forty five full straight days of rain or something crazy. That's depressing. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how people live in areas that. I couldn't do I like it. This. No way. Mm-mm. I need the sunshine. Yep. I'm solar powered. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot do it. What's new with you? How are you doing? Good. Um, summer class is crazy. Super fun. I love my students. They're hilarious. Oh, good. And brilliant. I'm they're like restoring my faith in humanity. That's good. Yeah. There, we're tackling, I mean, it's a hard class. We're talking about trauma in all the ways. We're talking about racial trauma right now and reading Rizma Menachem's book, um, My Grandmother's Hands, which is beautiful and wonderful. And they're just like taking it head on, you know? Oh, good. Yeah. Talking about their lives, their families, their ancestors, like stuff they struggle with. It's it's awesome. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about California? Is it closing down again or? Yeah. Um, we're back to masks. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, they did like a mandate. I don't know where that comes down from, but it's, you can't, they were, I mean, there were still people wearing masks inside before and now they're, now it's mandated. So it's back everywhere. Yeah. For everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Vaccinated and unvaccinated. Yeah. They're, they're not, I don't think, I don't really do anything, so I don't know, but I don't think they're doing the, the uh, vaccine, like the card. Um, You don't have to like provide proof to go into a restaurant or anything like that, but Okay. Um, I heard they're doing that in New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a little disheartening, you know, I know. the kids the, at Holy Cross, they just got a message that they're going back to school in person, but they got a message. They have to wear masks all the time. Oh, do they really? And get tested like every, I can't remember three days or something like that. Even if they're vaccinated. I think so. Yeah. Wow. You know, 
I know. It was just like, okay, now I can start planning things. I know. Like, so, you know, now it's like you, you feel a little hesitant. I know. Scary. Yeah. But get your vaccines. <laughs> if you haven't yet. It was a, it was like a completely okay experience. Like I had no problems with the vaccine at all. It was, I'm not in, I'm not being controlled by Bill Gates. I do not, <laughs> I did not get sick. Nothing bad happened. My blood continued to flow through my body. Like nothing. I can't remember all the things I heard that was going to happen with the vaccine, but none of them happened. It was, it was not a bad thing. Go do it. If you're scared. I know. And the scary thing is, you know, people are saying like, you know, well, if I get it, I'll be fine. It, it's the, the long-term like symptoms that people are talking about that are terrifying, you know, which, Oh, if I get COVID, I'll be fine. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, you're, you don't feel well for two weeks and then you go back to normal. It's, right. It doesn't sound like. I know that's the way it goes. I know the long haul COVID thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's an athlete on the, um, uh, basketball player on the Celtics who, you know, now has to use an inhaler. Like he, yeah. he was a healthy athlete, you know, right. top of his game. And now his life is, is changed because yeah. of this. so it, anyhow, there's brain inflammation and all sorts of stuff yeah. and yeah. Exhaustion, like chronic fatigue. Right. Yeah. It is scary. We need to all get on the same page, you know, like, right. Enough. Cut it out. It's not yeah. political. It's a science. It's a fact. Just do it. Exactly. I agree. Anyway, now that we've lost a couple of listeners, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. So last week we did the punching back exercise. So the idea was to, so we're doing a couple of weeks of just tools because we talk about tools with every episode, but um, we're taking some time to focus and try them out ourselves. And punching back is about taking your kind of negative cognitions and, and beliefs about yourself and punching back. And so finding good in the bad. And the idea is that then you don't have to feel like you have to throw it away entirely, which is sometimes impossible because your brain just clings on to these things it's telling you about yourself. But you get to see that with every you know, negative quality that we have, there's usually some positive that comes with it. So what did you think of this one? Terrible? <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> It's really hard. It's really hard. It's really vulnerable. It's, um, you know, like you said last week, like coming up with the negatives, that was no problem. Like, right. Like I did that, like the, you know, right after we got off last right. week and then I sat on it for a week right. know, before I tried to come up with like the, the uh, punch back, but it's, right. it's, it's difficult. It's, yeah. It's hard. These are the things we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm all day, every day. So, and it's, yeah. And it's, it's like you, you say about like the, that's the mean person, like following you around, like yeah. shouting things at you, like, what the hell, why are we doing that? You know? Right. Right. We, I'm struck by this all the time. We talk so much about how dysfunctional our relationships with other people are, but a lot of our relationships with ourselves are dysfunctional is the most dysfunctional, right? It's where the dysfunction comes from and how right. it takes root. Totally. Right. If we could get a handle on that. It would be a whole different story. Yeah. I'm also kind of interested in like what these negative things serve, like, cause I think they, I think they sometimes serve some kind of purpose, you know, yeah. organizing the world or whatever, um, which we can talk about. Yeah. Do you want to go through it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, I do not. No, you know, I, I have this like false sense that I'm only talking to you, you know, and that nobody listens, but yeah, <laughs> you are. <It's> good. <laughs> I'm just going to keep telling myself that or else Go with that. move forward. <laughs> um, okay. My first one is, let's see, I have six. 
Um, I'm old and I look old. Oh God. Okay. I'm going to try not to respond when you say these things. Okay. Do you want me to go through all the negatives first? Yeah. Okay. Number two, (laughs) (laughs) I have no sense of style anymore. I don't have a good uniform. Mm. Um, I'm not in good shape anymore. I don't feel physically strong. I can't finish my to-do list for the life of me. Mm. Um, I have no purpose. I have no plan going forward. And the last one, I have difficulty maintaining friendships. Therefore, I feel isolated. Hmm. <laughs> Wait, can you go back to four? I'm trying to write these down. Hold on. Sorry. That's okay. Four, four is I can't finish my to-do list. Okay. And then five is I have no purpose. I have no purpose. I have no plan going forward. Okay. And then six was I have trouble I, maintaining friendships. I have difficulty maintaining friendships. Therefore, I feel isolated. Damn. Okay. How does it feel to like say these out loud? This is a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I'm so used to it that it doesn't, it doesn't feel strange. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Totally. Like, like this is what I've been telling myself for a long time. I think totally. Like, my threshold is uh, very high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my tolerance yeah. of these things is very high or these beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, and it might be premature to talk about this now that it, I'm hanging on to a life I once had or the past. Yeah. And that's like the say that. prevailing theme in all of these. Yeah. We need to talk about aspirational identity. Okay. I think one of the, like the pitfalls of like looking at yourself, doing the work. I hate that phrase so much. It makes me want to like gag every time I say that work. Blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> But when you're doing like that kind of thing, it's so the pit, one of the pitfalls is that you end up like only looking in hindsight. Right. And you become like fixated on what you did wrong, mistakes you made, regrets you have, who you used to be, what you looked like at 20, whatever it is, or all of those things. And then you lose the idea that you're like going somewhere. And part of identity is aspirational. Where, what do I want to be like? Who do I want to be? You know? Yeah. And, you know, the irony is I didn't have it figured out then. Like, right. You know, I'm not looking back at some like spectacular moment. <laughs> like at that point, I, I would have had a different list, of, right. you know, right. but similar feelings. Right. Right. If that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Um, what is that rose colored? Like, why do we do that? Cause we don't appreciate the moment that we're in. Because what were we doing then? Probably either thinking about the past or. Um, I was worried about what I didn't have, that I'd missed the train. You know? Yeah. Like when I think, I, I think back often to um, a, a time where I would work and go to um, a exercise class after work and mm-hmm. get home to my to my place that was yeah. mine. And, you know, that I should have been very proud of. Yeah. And I'd have my winter coat on that black puffy coat. Yeah. And I would pour myself a glass of Prosecco before I even took my coat off yeah. and make myself a dinner. And I, now I look back at that and think like, what a wonderful time that was, Right. you know? Yeah. Why didn't I like see it relish that when yeah. I was in it? Yeah. I had no one to answer to like, yeah. you know, it was, wow. I, you know, now I'm, I'm nostalgic about it, but at the time I was like, Oh my God, I gotta, you know, do this. I gotta do that. I'm not where I'm yeah. supposed to be and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Wow. So 
just kind of the irony of these lists and this wherever you are in life, you know? Yeah. It's like, hold on. What are you got to recalibrate? Like, what are you looking at or towards? And are you even in it right now? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Which you can see how quickly like joy goes out the window. Cause we don't know how to, we don't even know how to look for it, let alone like relish in it. In order to do that, you'd have to be like, okay, hold on. This is, yes, this was a stressful day and it's cold out and it's Boston and blah, and I don't yet have everything that I want and all this other stuff, but I have this Prosecco and I, you know, there's something good about this life. You know what yeah, I mean? Now, when I think of it, it feels like a, a vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like right. That, <laughs> Compared. Yeah. You know, totally. That's Not funny. That I don't appreciate my life now. I do, but it's, um, no, but it's, we have this tendency. I always look at back at the, t- like the first year I was living alone in New York and like had this real sense of like, I am doing it. Like I am, I came from the small little town and I'm living in Manhattan and like doing all the things and paying all my bills and right working and going to school and doing all the things. And it was such a, like, there was such a high from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It is cool. Okay. All right. You want me to punch back? Yes. My half-ass punch back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the first one, I'm old. I look old. Uh, my punch back was, yes, I am. And I've worked hard for these wrinkles and gray hair. Oh, I love that. <laughs> You're not old. Good Lord. I think we don't, we need to understand that we don't understand old because no one in our family and in our lives lived old. Oh, that's a good point. So we have the wrong like scale. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're we looking at see old. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Okay. I have no sense of style anymore. I don't have a good uniform. Um, Mm -hmm. That can be easily changed. Shop in my own closet and add some things if you need to. Yep. Yep. You know, we talk about that all the time, like having a uniform and having go-tos and, um, you know, how, because of the pandemic, like we need less and how do you Mm -hmm. pare down? And Mm -hmm. I I mean, that, that was my career. I can do this. Right. Which is the reason you care about it. Right. Like, right. Right. But also like, I don't think you have lost your sense of, first of all, I don't think you can lose your sense of style. That doesn't, that's like losing your, that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. But I think it has shifted because the world changed and your world changed, right? Like you're not going to work anymore in, in luxury retail where right. that required a lot of you. That's very different than now. You're right. So it's, again, it's about like recalibrating to like, okay, what does life look like now? And what do I want? To, how do I want to show up in it? You know, yeah, evolving, yeah. right, growing, changing, right, it's right. Not a bad thing, you know, right. Um, yeah, I'm not in good shape anymore. I don't feel physically strong. Um, and my punchback was, I've been making some really good decisions health wise. I am on top of my medical ca- medical care in a mm-hmm. way I never have been before. I know what works for me, um, exercise wise. I just need to do it. Mm-hmm. It's um. <sighs> That medical stuff is not small. No. <laughs> you know, like we, we didn't have that modeled. No. And that's something that, that we need to be proud of, that we are taking yeah. charge of that in a really um, thoughtful, mindful, yeah, proactive way. Mm-hmm. In a life-giving way, not in a small way. Right. We do yeah. all the things we are, yeah. you know. I'm talking to other people about doing the things they need to do, which can get annoying, but I do. But it's necessary. Like we've seen the repercussions when you don't do that, you, you, your life ends. Like it's not, 
It's not like a luxury, like, oh, you know, you'll feel a little bit better if you do this. It's like, no, it's if you don't stay on top of this. And it's, I think it's also like exhausting because like, I know it wasn't um, like prioritized. We didn't grow up in a house where it was prioritized, right? Like mom and dad were part of that generation where they really fully believed that like, if something was wrong with you, you would know it. And they were both in healthcare. And so they like took their expertise a little too seriously and they didn't do the stuff that you're supposed to do, you know? And so doing that has a lot of weight and exhaustion already on top. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's It's, like a charged thing. Yeah. It's super heavy. It's heavy. But I can't say I don't feel like I can't, I can't have those two. I can't have those two opposing thoughts, but that wasn't probably the easiest punch back, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? I can't finish my to-do list. The punchback was you are chipping away at things. Give yourself a break. Yes. And that was that. And I have to go back and reread it, that New York Times article on languishing. And I can't remember yeah. who wrote it, but you know, that's where we, I, everyone I talk to says that, like, yeah. I can't get anything done. Like yeah. I, I can't focus. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, a product of the Times. I have no purpose. I have no plan going forward. And my punchback was I am pointing myself in the right direction and setting intentions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's enough for now. I mean, that's how you, that's how you do it. Right. Like that's right. That's you have to do that in order to have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, of course you don't, you know? Right. Um, And the last one, I have difficulty maintaining friendships. Therefore I feel isolated. And my punchback was you have reconnected with old friends and made some new ones since you've been back in Massachusetts and you are on the right path. Yeah. Again, it's so interesting because there is a theme, right? Like to, which it may not have felt like that when you were writing that. I know you said that a couple of minutes ago, but like this idea of like reflecting back and again, like recalibrating who you are in general. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And who you want to be. Right. Right. And I, I, you know, I've talked about this before and it it was with the whole um, going to Virginia for seven years, like, and kind Mm -hmm. of getting away from who I was. And I thought that I would come back to Boston and be able to step right back into it. Mm -hmm. And that's not the way life works. You know, I have grown and evolved since I left and my uh, needs and wants and desires have also grown and evolved. So I can't get frustrated that I'm not stepping back into, you know, 2012. Yeah. Right. And you wouldn't want to be, it wouldn't, even if you could, it wouldn't, you know what I mean? Right. It wouldn't work. Right. So I think that's through all of these exercises, the big lesson for me. Mm -hmm. That seems huge. I know. Like really? I know. That feels like a pivotal life moment. It is a pivotal life moment because I think I knew it in, in theory, but you know, yeah have it come up in these different ways is reinforcing it right in a way that I needed. Yeah. And to like embody it and be like, okay, hold on. It's one of the things when like this stuff is just rolling around in our heads, we don't actually look at it. Right. It like chases us around and we don't actually say like, okay, what is the deal? Right. Right. What am I feeling? And why am I feeling it? Right. What am I going to do about it? Right. Or how am I going to reframe it? Right. Do you have a sense? Oh, go ahead. I had this moment when I was in Virginia that, you know, I had all these clothes from, uh, from a different life, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was hanging on to and opening Mm -hmm. the closet every day and thinking like, yeah, you know, I don't have that life anymore. And 
bummer and blah, 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 blah. And right. I, I finally got to a point where I got rid of all of them and it was so life-giving and free. Yeah. And yeah. I just need to, you need to keep doing that. Yeah. That's not a one and done. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. There's everyone on earth who's listens to this and knows me is going to laugh, but Aristotle says something about that <laughs> in his Nicomachean ethics. He talks about how like, you have to be really mindful of like where you actually are yeah. and be patient and not try to like fit your life into a place where it isn't anymore or isn't yet. Like it's you you're here, <clears throat> which is different than 10 years ago. And so if you try to fit your life into the 10 years ago model, you'll be disappointed. And the same thing is true the other direction. If you cling too much to hear the things I don't have and hear the things I want, then you end up trying to like speed your life forward and you miss the moment. So he's like, you know, have patience for where you actually, and reverence for where you actually are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, that's, you have to do that a, a thousand times over the course of your life to stop and be like, okay, wait, does this stuff serve me anymore? Do these clothes work in this life? Like how have things changed? Where am I going? You know, it's humbling. It is humbling. And I, I also think that, you know, for us, because the, the, you know, the wheels came off mm-hmm. at that point, it's even more tempting to try and go back. Totally. You can't go back. You, you can't. Know. Yeah. You can't. And that's a beautiful thing that keeps what was intact. Right. But it's like the temptation to go crawling back is hard. Right. To fight. Right. I was thinking so much after the letter. Was that last week that you wrote that? I think so. That like that letter was made dad's presence so present to me. Yeah. And I then realized how long it had been since I had like felt that, you know? Oh, nice. Good. It was good, but it was also just like, damn, like it was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Like he hasn't been in the world in a long time and it's, yeah, it's humbling. It is humbling. This like idea of always being in process, I think is really important. You know, like life is a practice. It's not like a, a series of arrival points. Yeah. And if we can really like metabolize that idea, then we can give ourselves a break, right? Like you're chipping away at things, give yourself a break, you know? Right. Right. And I, I'm also like really open to, and willing to accept that concept Mm -hmm. with everything else in the world, except for my own life. Right. So what's the deal? Like, what's that? That's, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I love the idea of like, I, you know, I remember thinking at one point, like the older I get, the less I know, which I think Mm -hmm. is like a beautiful thing. Yeah, totally. To want to continue to learn and be open to things. And, um, but why can't I extend that courtesy to my own existence? Yeah. I have an idea. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, do you want to hear it? Maybe not. (laughs) Um, I I think. And there's a reason for this, like developmentally, I think. So I have two ideas. I think that you may think in your head, whether this is conscious or not, that all this negativity is actually what motivates you. And if you accept yourself, you'll stop moving. Okay. I got and you. like collapse, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of these voices are mom. Yep. Not that she would have said these exact words, but that she, that was very much her way of she called us to the mat, 
right? Like you have to be better. And she was sort of a force of like, you have to be better. You have to, you can't accept mediocrity. You can't accept where you are. You have to always be improving and trying to figure out how to be better and do relationships better and be more authentic and more true and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. What are you thinking? (laughs) That I don't know if that came from that place with her. Yeah. I think that might've come from a desire to be in control or yeah. it might've come out of fear. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible thing to say. But. It's not a terrible thing to say. It's real. And I also think it's not even the end, right? So like it came out of fear because why was there fear? Because there was concern. Why is there concern? Because there's care. Yep. So it's like, she was always, I mean, I've been thinking about her a lot as I read about like just trauma and I've been thinking about her life and and what it means to be sensitized, like what it means to have a very, an overactive um, fear center, alarm system, you know, mm-hmm. and she was completely, she was totally sensitized and like oh, super hypervigilant about what's happening and what's going to go wrong. And she was 40 steps down the road of where she thought you might be going and trying to pull you back from that. And that's, uh, that came out sometimes in cruel ways and it comes from her like deep fear that we were not going to live well, you know? Right. And that we weren't going to have good lives because she had seen that so much in her life. Right. If I don't control this ship, it will go down. Yep. And so I think we've like internalized that. And we say to ourselves now, if I don't control the ship, it will go down. If I don't motivate myself through cruelty, I won't make it. Wow. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. It's what we knew. Yeah. It just feels like profound. I don't know. Yeah. We need to write that down. Yeah. It's are we I guess we can listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone write that down. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But what but an interesting there, there, there's no grace in that. There's no, no there's no enjoying the no. moment. There's no yeah taking a breath. There's no right. appreciating what you have or how right. far you've come or where right. you are. Because when it comes from control, there's no trust. There's no faith. There's no belief in the universe or yourself. You know what I mean? Right. It all comes from that dark place. That, But that's the whole generational trauma thing, correct? Yes. So yeah. we didn't directly experience what she experienced, but right. we experienced her interpretation of it. Right. 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 Yep. Jesus. I know. Okay. I know. That's huge. It is huge. It's, um, can I read you this thing from this book? Of course. So random, but this is what, so I'm obsessed with this book and I'm late to the game because everyone's been reading it for a long time, but it took me a while to get to the reason why Menachem's my grandmother's hands, racialized trauma and the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies talks a lot about generational trauma. And he says, most of us think of trauma as something that occurs in an individual body, like a toothache or a broken arm, but trauma also routinely spreads between bodies, like a contagious disease. When someone with unhealed trauma chooses dirty pain over clean pain, which I can describe in a second, the person may try to soothe his or her trauma by blowing it through another person using violence, rage, coercion, deception, betrayal, or emotional abuse. This never heals the trauma. Instead, it increases the first person's pain by reinforcing harmful and aggressive survival strategies as standard operating procedure. 
it creates a sense of ongoing unease in the first person's body that he or she then must override. It may also provoke a reflexively defensive or aggressive response in the second person's body. Sometimes people inflict this pain on others deliberately, but more often it, can, it occurs spontaneously and unexpectedly. Someone, something triggers a person's trauma, his or her lizard brain instantly launches a fight response and the person physically or emotionally harms whoever is nearby. Even as people in these situations inflict harm on others, their reasoning brains may think, what the hell am I doing? I don't want to hurt this person. More likely though, this, their conscious minds make up an after the fact self-protective rationale. Well, she was reaching toward her purse. There must've been a gun inside, or I told him to settle down, but he still acted upset. I think he might attack me at any moment. When therapists work with couples in crisis, we often discover that at least one partner has unhealed trauma. We also commonly find that the partnership is configured so that the trauma gets repeatedly reenacted and sometimes passed back and forth between the two people. Healing the trauma becomes the first step in mending the relationship. It's not hard to see how trauma can spread like a contagion within couples, families, and other close relationships. What we don't often consider is how trauma can spread from body to body in any relationship. When one settled body encounters another, this creates deeper settling of both bodies. But when one unsettled body encounters another, the unsettledness tends to compound in both bodies. The same thing happens in families, especially when multiple family members face painful or stressful situations together. It can also occur more subtly over time when one person repeatedly passes on their unsettledness to another. In her book, Everyday Narcissism, therapist Nancy Van Dyken calls this hazy trauma, trauma that can't be traced back to a single specific event. Unhealed trauma acts like a throne, a rock thrown into a pond. It causes ripples that move outward, affecting other bodies over time. Wow. I know what we don't heal, we spread. It's contagious. Right. And it doesn't come from like here. It's not as simple as like, I'm going, I, you know, this thing happened to me and now I'm going to make you feel the same way. It's just, I am unsettled in my body and I don't know what to do with that. And so I will try to create as much control and stability as possible. Even if that means creating unstable, unsettled feelings in yours, you know? Wow. Yeah. That gives me the chills. I know. And he talks about this difference between clean pain and dirty pain and clean pain is like the pain that you, you face head on and dirty pain is the pain that you just sort of let marinate underneath everything. And it just comes out in all your behavior. We all do this, right? You know, like this isn't like we are all on that path, right? In some way. Okay. I need to read that book. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. He also gives lots of like practices for how to settle and what to do and anchoring points and all that kind of stuff, which is great. What are you thinking? (laughs) No, I think it's, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're right about my list and, and where it comes from and mm-hmm. how it's not serving me. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yep. Okay. I have five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a mess. My life is a mess. Number one, we talked about that last week. We know this is a theme. <laughs> Number two, I'm unlovable. Number three, I'm avoidant and incapable of healthy relationships, friends, or anything else, right? Um, Number four, I'm plain and always will be. And number five is I'm too intense. (laughs) I feel like you described somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's not even like remotely close to who you are. (laughs) Yeah. I hope not. Oh my God. No, that's like a, that's like a different person. Yeah. There's no, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. What were you going to say? There's nothing in there that even 
It, that's like you saying you're a, yeah, an animated character. Like it's, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I felt like that was yours too. It's dark in here. I get really, really nasty with myself. I don't with other people. This is like an interesting thing. I'm, I'm, I think like, honestly, and I don't say this to like brag, I'm a very like non-judgmental human. You are. I can, it, to, almost to my detriment, I can see both sides of basically anything, you know what I mean? And, and the, and the value in both. But when it comes to myself, I don't cut myself any slack. Oh God. Okay. Let's take them one by one. Okay. I'm a mess. My life is a mess. We talked about this a little bit last week. I mean, in some sense that is just false in the sense in which it is not, it doesn't like conform to my um, expectation or whatever. I think the reason for it, the way to punch back to this is that like, it's because I'm doing a lot of things that I love that are really important. And so sometimes things that are more incidental kind of fall away and that's life. Life is sometimes a little messy. I also, I don't think it's your expectation, but. Okay. Okay. We'll come back to that. Okay. Um, the, the thing that I'm unlovable, I mean, or hard to love or something like, I don't know what to say about that, except that maybe that's true sometimes with some people, but that doesn't mean that it's a fact that's static across everything. You know what I mean? I think that uh, um, people who are in pain mm-hmm. will use words like that um, mm-hmm. to deflect what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have ever felt that way or been told that those Mm -hmm. were complete one-off situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I don't want to invalidate your feelings because they're your feelings, but I could, if we were on trial right now, I could find (laughs) 300 character witnesses in about two hours that would say otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that'd be a full courtroom <laughs> and, and i've known you for 39 plus years right so. <laughs> i could give 10 examples right now but i don't wanna, yeah you know relationships are are charged and difficult and painful and yes yeah. people yeah. say things to us that we carry around with us yeah as as the truth and as facts and yeah it's just not, Yeah, th- that was not a reflection of, of you. Yeah. I promise. I also think, I mean, I think you're right. I think love is hard. Like, and so it, it can be hard to love people, but that doesn't reflect on them being hard to love. It's cruel. It's, it's a cruel thing to say yeah. about another person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, um, it's damning and, and you don't deserve that. You, you, you don't, deserve to think of yourself that way yeah it's just it, simply not true it is damning so we'll just knock that one over completely i, I think your punch back is uh, it's that's simply not true that's simply not true right the, the idea that i'm avoidant and incapable of healthy love my punch back here is that like i am i have some tendencies of to disconnect when i get overwhelmed and that I'm learning is important and necessary and I need to like respect them. And I'm also learning how to communicate them so that they're not as hurtful, you know, to people. I think it's super healthy. Yeah. To be it's avoidant in the situations that you've been avoidant in. But also like I, cause I do it sometimes with like 
friends where there's like no stakes whatsoever. I just get overwhelmed socially and I need like a break. And so I like throw all my devices across the room and stop texting and like Mm -hmm. disconnect. That's like the world is asking a lot of us when we're connected 24 seven, you know, and sometimes like understanding that you need a break from that and, and leaning into that and disconnecting for a while isn't actually avoidant. No, it's, it's necessary, you know, and I think you can communicate that in healthy ways. Right. But like, yeah, I just need some time. I need a little, I need a little space. Right. And I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm learning how to like communicate that better. But it's also being avoidant in certain situations is the way to be. I mean, it's healthy. It's right. It saves you. Right. And it's also like the, you know, we talk about this is why I get so mad when people talk about attachment style without talking about trauma, because the first of all, the study of attachment comes from trauma. But the reason we have these default systems of attaching is so we can survive. Right. So they're not, they, they get fixed when we have repeated, you know, difficult situations, but then even then they're not completely fixed. We can change them, but recognizing that you have these capacities just means recognizing that you're human. Absolutely. And that you have, okay, you have these built-in mechanisms of survival. So the question shouldn't be like, why am I like this? It should be like, what is happening that's making me feel this overwhelmed? Right. Right. And and it's a case, don't you think it's a case by case situation? Like you can yeah. be being avoidant in one situation is 100% the way to be. Because right. Otherwise you will be hurt. Flattened or yeah, totally. Yeah. When, it, when it extends into other parts where it feels like an overreaction to a mm-hmm. situation. That's, that's what it needs to be. Right. Recalibrated. Right. Yeah. That's a really good way to put that. Totally. And I think I'm learning that, right. Instead of just like losing friendships and stuff, I'm like, Hey, this is what I do sometimes. Yeah. Give me, Bear with me. Right. Yeah. Right. Which people do like, and that's a great, they're usually like, Oh, thank you. You know? Right. Right. Now I know that. Yeah. Okay. I'm plain and always will be. What the I fuck should... are you talking about? Like I that is just, with that. plain. Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like un like un um uninteresting and like not sparkly, you know what I mean? I don't even necessarily mean anything like aesthetic, like vain, you know? Right. But like just like I, I don't know. I feel like I always like can't reach that level of like sparkliness that I'm like supposed to be or something. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I'm not making sense. No, you're making sense. Um, I guess it's like a not enough thing. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to think of how to help with this. <laughs> I, I think that like, to, I mean, I think that, um, again, like when you have moments of like flatness in your personality or the way you're dressing or whatever, there's probably a reason that's very legitimate, you know? And that doesn't mean you are as a fixed thing, plain. I don't know where that word even comes from. Did, what was, did you have a punch back for that or no? No, just that. I think like you, you have to like understand that if there's a reason, I mean, if you're feeling flat, there's probably a reason, right? Like you were talking about with like your, you know, wardrobe and your, your uniform and stuff. It's a pandemic. Everyone started wearing sweatpants. Right. You can hold yourself accountable to that and say, why am I doing this? I'm, you know, looking like a schlumpadink or whatever Oprah says, <laughs> but <laughs> 
it's like, well, but maybe I'm doing that because I like need to, maybe I'm playing because I need to, I don't know. This one's I'm struggling with this one. Where did that language come from? I mean, somewhere I don't remember. It's not mine. It doesn't feel like my, I don't ever say that. So it, it must've come from a person, but I don't remember. It's been around for, since I was like probably in like third grade. So it's not, it's like an old thing. Wow. That's so sad. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's just. you. But that's so not you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're the, like the antithesis of plain, like you're light and bright and sparkly and you know, you were the little kid with the bright red hair, you know, who would, who would write me cards with like elephants on them and stickers and glitter and, you know, always doing the most since the beginning. (laughs) Should we do a sticker? Should we do glitter? All of it. Let's do it all. We're going to have to put that on the website. I can find those. We should, (laughs) you know, that's just, you know, to the point where, um, friends and family and neighbors like that you were a bright light that everyone always commented on so i i mean it breaks my heart that you believe that about yourself somewhere yeah, funny i don't know what the yeah i don't know where that comes from it's very um stable like it's this is like a very old thought you know what i mean i can think of like times thinking that in like I probably third grade that that old, like my lights dim or something like that. You know, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. But I'm very Muppety. I don't know why. I I mean, I kind of know that I'm not right. Boring, you know, (laughs) not at all. People, I, I feel like people have always responded to you, um, have been attracted to you because you kind of had this magnetic quality. Mm. So to, I don't know. I don't mean to argue with you or tell you that. No, it's funny. I don't know where this, I don't know where the source is. We have to think about that. I know. I have to like try to, I'm going to try to actually remember where it was. That I feel like your punchback should be, I'm describing somebody else. <laughs> that is not me. Sarah Plain and Tall. Remember that book? It's That's what I'm talking about. I've made a misconnection in my head. <laughs> yeah. I just, I am I'm baffled. I don't know. I'll think about it more. And then the last one was I'm too intense, which I, that has been a sentence that has been said to me like 9,000 times. That's not a bad thing. The punch. Yeah. The punch back to that is like, so like, yeah, I think my intensity is what makes me capable of doing everything that I do, which I like. So that's like, oh, well, you know, right. That's why you're accomplished and you're published and you've, um, you know, are, are the expert that you are because you are intense about the things that yeah. Meaning to you. And yeah. That's, that's a strength. Yeah. And it's drive. And it's like, and I also think again, like a lot of this, it seems that one of the themes is like, okay, if you think that then bye. Right. You know, like, right. I don't really have any interest in changing any of these things. No, no, they're they're. I mean, intense. That's a compliment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know. I need to help you with the plane thing. <laughs> we, I think we have to figure out where it comes from to battle it. You know what I mean? I mean, you always had these like stories and you, you were so like 
light and <laughs> uh oh, this is a funny memory. What? I was thinking about the <laughs> was it Mr. Belvedere? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what are you gonna say? Didn't you like that like you what happened? The show was over or something? Did you were so upset? <laughs> Okay, we have to look this up because I need to know what year it was. Mr. Belvedere, I was very like religious about TV shows for some reason. I was probably like five. I was young. Mr. Belvedere was my favorite because I'm a weirdo. (laughs) That was was like a good show. (laughs) Was it? (laughs) It was then. It was like the original Frasier maybe. Um, I'm trying to figure out when it, when it, um, ended, but it got canceled. And I, I, I remember this moment, like it was a traumatic flashback <laughs> standing in the kitchen, right at the edge of the like kitchen Island jut out thing. And yeah. Mr. Belvedere wasn't on anymore. And I was talking to mom and she was like, well, it got canceled. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is not possible. What happens is I turn the TV on at a certain time. Mr. Belvedere appears and I'm, I'm transferred into Mr. Belvedere's life. <laughs> was he the butler or something? Yeah, he was the butler. He was like the nanny, like butler. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, it was crushing loss. <laughs> someone who's that invested in a character like Mr. Belvedere and that experience, like, is not plain. It's not. <laughs> I was eight. I was eight when it ended. <laughs> you were transported into this fantasy life that involved Mr. Belvedere and you expressed real solid yes. emotion <laughs> when, when it was over. Yes, totally. You know? <laughs> it was like a sense. I was like, it was righteous indignation. There was like, it was like injustice. <laughs> it was like, Nobody checked with me. <laughs> I guess that's where the intensity started. <laughs> yeah, actually, you can't be plain and intense at the same time. Oh, there you go. So There's your punch back. Thank you. Yeah, I am intense. It just seems like, you know, like flatline. You're doing yeah. flatline. Yeah, no. You know? Yeah, that just seems not like I couldn't be if I wanted to. No. To the point, and I'm, I can't remember, I've, every time there's a character on, on television or whatever we're watching a movie with red hair, Brent's always like, oh, that reminds me of Mac. I'm like, what? Every person with red hair reminds you of Mac. Like, what, what are you responding to? Um, so, you know, it's, no, you're not flatline. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a not invested plane means to me, like yeah. no energy, not yeah. invested, doesn't yeah. get excited about things like flat. <laughs> outraged over the cancellation <laughs> of Mr. Belvedere. That is not a plain child. In 1989. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh man. Oh, that's funny. Also my, my bunny, remember this? This is my favorite story about dad is that like, I lost, I had this bunny that I like had loved to pieces and it was like, a, it didn't look, it was like a piece of fuzz. Like it didn't even look like a thing anymore. And then a piece of fuzz. Yeah, it was like you a piece. Used, of, it, it has a music box in it, right? You still like hit Luke with it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who got in my way, really, like just yeah. 
Again, not about playing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we should put like pictures of ourselves as kids on the yeah. video. Um, and I left it at a hotel and it had gotten thrown away because no one could identify it as a thing other than like a piece of dirt. <laughs> it was gross. It was gross. <laughs> totally. Like, you know, when blankets get like, like, d- you know, dirty and like not, they're just like knotted and stuff like that. It was kind of like that kind of vibe. Yeah. And, but I like, this was my thing, my like most loved thing. This is my like first loss and I was yeah. bereft. And so dad, after working all day and dealing with whoever knows what the hell, you know, he, I couldn't sleep. And so he would, I would sit down at the table and he would pour me a little, like, um, what are those glasses? Like a whiskey shot glass? No. Um, a double like a highball okay. glass with like a tiny little bit of ginger ale. And we would like sit at the table and like discuss loss and like, <laughs> what do you do about loss? Do you, do you replace the bunny or do you, is that like somehow not respectful to the original bunny? <laughs> If you are going to replace the bunny, do you go in a different direction, a different like shape of bunny? <laughs> Get a monkey. Right. <laughs> but again, intense. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. Not plain. Not plain. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> no. Oh my God. This exercise is hard. It's hard to like put the things down that you're telling yourself all day long, which is kind of interesting because you're taking them out of the shadow, you know? Yeah. And putting them on paper. Well, you're shining light on 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 the person who's following you around, saying this stuff to you all day long. Right. We're so t- terrible to ourselves. I know. I know. It's kind of shocking. Yeah. It is. It's it's abusive. Like it, it has to stop. We can't do this. And then we're like, oh, and I don't know why I can't get motivated and why I'm in my own way. Well, you know, <laughs> you're beating the hell out of yourself. Of course you are. That's funny. Okay. Do you want the next one? Yep. Okay. Um, this one is just called a hundred things. Oh no. Okay. Oh no. So we are, um, obsessed with labels. I've talked about this before. Labels can be diagnoses and labels and stuff can be really validating and helpful, but we have to resist the tendency to move into them and make them become our entire identity because that's really corrosive. Mm -hmm. And so, um, on this one, kind of similar to the, to the punching back thing, you're going to write some labels that you associate yourself with, whether that's things you've been diagnosed with or things you've diagnosed yourself with, like a couple of those things. Okay. So you could say like anxious, like whatever, OCD, avoidant, like bitchy, whatever, like labels kind of fit. Okay. And then you're going to write a hundred other things about yourself on the same piece of paper. Okay. So you don't have to cross out the labels. They don't have to be, you don't have to punch back to them directly. It's just that you're going to populate the paper with a hundred other things that you are. Okay. That are not the labels. Right. Okay. And they can be like, it sounds like a lot. It's hard to come up with a list, but you can come up, you can be like, I'm someone who loves nail polish. I'm someone who, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be these big personality things. Okay. Um, but the other thing to do is to take note of how you feel. So you first write your list of labels that you associate yourself with, and then jot down a note of how that feels like in your body to make that list. 
and then go to the list of a hundred things. And then after you're done with that, jot down how that feels to write the hundred, the, uh, the hundred other things. Okay. And the hundred thing, the, the labels could also be your trauma, right? I'm a survivor. I'm a, you know, I've had, you know, survived domestic violence or, you know, all of those things that you carry around as labels. Okay. That's a good one. Okay. Similar vein, but slightly different. Okay. Do you have a tiny little joy? I do. My tiny little joy. Um, well, she's a huge joy in my life is my dog. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sadie, but the tiny little, the thing that she does that, um, brings me joy every day is that she always, no matter what's going on, she'll come in and check on me no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> like she, she has to like <laughs> dad check in, see what's going on, see where I am, see what's happening. And she'll leave the room, you know, but she just like, and she usually like hits me with her nose when she does it. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like a, like a tangible, like, okay, boop, I'm here. I'm yeah. Home. I wanted to see where you were, make sure everything was still okay. Checking um, on you, boop, and then leaving. That's exactly. so cute. And um, when we first moved here, we had an electrician in the house um, installing some things. The guy was a character, really, really funny guy. And he was talking about a cat that he had. Um, and I think the cat had just passed away. But he was saying what he missed most about the cat is when he was downstairs, like watching TV, you know, at the end yeah. of the night, like in his man cave or den or whatever, yeah. the cat would come in and check on him. And he's like, Aww. you know, now nobody checks on me. Nobody cares where I am in the house. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, <laughs> the cat was the one who did that. So Aww. when Sadie does it, it, it makes me think of um, Charlie was the electrician. And I, I don't know. It's just like, it's the energy that some, that, is interested in, in where you are in the yeah. house, in the world. It's, um, it's cute. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Brings me joy. <laughs> I'm here. Boop. Yeah. Right. There's, you know, they, you can train dogs. Um, I saw this on TikTok the other day to like, um, there was this girl who has, um, diabetes and her dog comes in to remind her to check her blood. Oh, wow. And That's so, so cool. It's so cool. And then it's so funny when the dog, like she's kind of, she's do, filming a thing. So she's doing her makeup or whatever. And the dog's like, boop. And then she doesn't go and do it. And the dog's like, boop. <laughs> right, right, right. And then you can see the dog like kind of standing there and looking around and being like, all right, she's not getting it one more time. Boop. And then it starts <laughs> to get like a little more agitated, like do the thing. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know. That's so cute. It is cute. It's, it's a nice feeling. I appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Mine's an animal one too. That's so funny. Um, oh, wow. It's just birds, <laughs> just birds, just birds. I love my favorite thing is getting up in the morning. Cause there's still, you know, there's different birds here than, than anywhere I've lived. And so, um, just looking into the yard of like what birds there are, you know, just looking out the window and seeing like, okay, there's hummingbirds all the time, which I love them. They're and so there's, little. They're so little. I saw one this morning that like was black and white. It almost looked like a little penguin. I have no idea what it was. So cute little gold finches, but I just find them, I turn into like a little kid. Like, I'm like, oh, what's that? Like that's fun. that feeling is just so like, it's so small. And like, um, I don't know. I just love it. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I need to like, find out what I need to get a little book or find out what the, what they are. There's a little bird feeder you can get that has a camera on it. Oh, and it will take photos and kind of identify. So you can like learn about what what birds are there. And I think that's kind of cool. So I might that's do that. Very cool. You yeah. Should. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just get a huge kick out of it. <laughs> They're so special. And some of them are so beautiful. I know. 
you know, the markings and I know. they really are spectacular. There's all these blue ones, there's blue jays and then there's like California blue jays or, you know, different ones I've never seen. And it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. That's nice. I love that. It's really tiny. Tiny little joys can be tiny. Okay. Thanks for listening as we go through all these exercises and learn about ourselves and all that stuff. Um, rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you next week. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.